good morning, Sun Valley Church, and welcome back to the Voice of the Valley. Uh, I have an unusual voice on the other end of the microphone, and uh, it's it's good to good to be back with with Pastor John uh, in his office. We're not even in the podcasting room; we're in his office. So I'm concerned, Jeremy, that you said my voice is unusual because <laughs> I speak Sunday after Sunday. And... <laughs> If that's the general consensus, maybe, I don't know. It's one of those things where you're just so used to it, you don't really... I guess. You, you don't... Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. You you said you wouldn't do this podcast unless I I brought the podcast to your office, so... Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. here we are. Here we are. <laughs> yeah. Well, John, I know that this podcast is going to be short because you said um, the answer to this question is nothing. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I'm hoping that maybe you can extrapolate a little bit more on what that nothing means. Like absolutely nothing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, John, uh, you told me this story yesterday, and maybe you could maybe you could just tell it again. Uh, but you had a gentleman uh, asking you this question. Uh, basically, you know, what do you do at your job? So, could you could you tell me what what your your yeah, I could retell it to you. Um, I had a neighbor that uh, was just being friendly, and we were talking over the fence, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago, maybe 12 years ago, I don't know. And uh, he was sincere, and he just said, you know, I don't want to be nosy or anything, but uh, um, what do you do all week? <laughs> I mean, how is it that you, have a, you get paid uh, for a full-time job? And you only work an hour a week. <laughs> I says, well, it takes a lot of strategizing. <laughs> yeah, so I, I helped him through that that uh, question of his. Um, so it was it was actually kind of quite a humorous, yeah, interchange. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What what are you doing all week? How do I get that job? Yeah, really, right. You, you, you know, how long does it take you to put together a thirty-minute talk? I mean, good grief. Uh, well, uh, yeah. If you haven't guessed it already, we're we're discussing what what Pastor John uh, does at his job, uh, and this really stems from questions that I've received and and using your neighbor as an example. But you know, over the last year, I've I've received these questions of basically. So what we're going to be talking about, not just Pastor John's job, but Jeremy Pinch and sure. Rick Whitmer and the other pastor. That, sure, yeah. Of course, we can't speak for them. Yeah, no. <laughs> they probably do only work an hour a week. Yeah. So, <laughs> I was hoping to avoid these questions. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> no, I, I, you know, people ask us these questions quite often, and I think there is kind of this underlying assumption that, you know, we we don't really have much to do. You know, we, we sit around, read books, and then show up on Sundays and... and do our thing on Sunday. Um, but uh, John, I'm, I'm hoping that you can lay these, these, uh, assumptions aside by, I really hope. (laughs) (laughs) Please. I'd hate to, I'd hate to face the next annual meeting if we can't explain this right now. Yeah. So, um, in order to have a job for next year as well, uh, next week, next week, can you, uh, (laughs) Can you just kind of go through your week? What does what does a week in the life of ministry look like uh, for you? Well, I'm gonna I'll try to answer that question. But if you have some um, questions that 
might help me clarify what I'm saying, please interject sure. because I want to make sure that I'm communicating. Because I, I'm doing, I'm answering this just probably with some assumptions, and I don't want to do that. Um, so please interject yeah. there yeah. if you need to. So um, <clears throat> the 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 Bible tells us that that spiritual leaders um, are even, you know. Uh, even in the Old Testament times, spiritual leadership um, can enter into the category of compensated labor. You know, Paul talks about that. Mm-hmm. Um, there's different places in the Old Testament that speak about compensation um, or vocational ministry. Yeah, uh, meaning you get paid for for doing ministry. Not everybody gets paid for doing ministry. We have. Um, six elders in this church and only two of them are compensated. Uh, four of them do the minister work of the ministry, um, voluntarily. Right. And we have a church full of ministers that work voluntarily not, and don't get compensated. So, but uh, there is a biblical place for compensated laborers in the, um, church. And so, based on that um, reality, you know, we got to now we got to figure out. Okay, what are we compensating them for? Why can't our pastors work for free, sure. like everybody else in the church? Sure. And, and I would say my answer is going. My response here is going to answer the question that you're asking. What do we do all week? Yeah. Um, we actually do work all week, and it takes, and that's why we get compensated because we can't go out. We don't have the time to go out and get another job, um, whatever it is. And we have to, in order for the church to operate, we have to do the things we do. Sure. So uh, as you think through the different aspects of, of, of spiritual leadership in the church, you see that spiritual leaders are supposed to be um, in, in tune with God. Right, they're they're supposed to be in touch with God. They're supposed to be familiar with God's word. They're supposed to be uh, overseeing the spiritual lives of God's people, uh, and so this requires an uh, added amount of focus and time. So, I guess I guess I could simplify this by saying, uh, I get paid, you get paid, Rick gets paid to pursue God. Mm-hmm in a way that that influences the people around us. Mm. And when I stop pursuing God is when I should stop being paid to be a pastor. Yeah. And so I I my my week, my day consists of prayer, uh worship, reading and so I have a, a I have a, a professional interest in praying, reading, and worshiping. And I have a private interest in praying, reading, and worshiping. Mm-hmm. And so I, I do that. When I get up in the morning, I, right now my, my worship practice is I'm reading um, sermons by a Puritan named John Flavel. And um, so every, every once in a while I change up what I'm doing. Sometimes I go through a, a daily Bible reading plan. Other times I, I read devotionals with my wife. Um, but I'm always doing something. Currently, it's reading John Flavel sermons, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm I'm trying to keep my relationship with God fresh and vibrant. 
so that there is something uh, to give to the people of Sun Valley Church, whether sure. it be through my sermons, my relationships with them, my teaching, um, my leadership development, whatever. So that that's that's primarily the overall overarching objective sure. of vocational ministry. But so that people will know what takes up my time, uh, uh, the following is, I think, important to know. So I, I, one of the things leaders are supposed to be, spiritual leaders are supposed to be doing is loving people. And loving people requires you to be with people, um, spending time with people. In my case, having lunch with people, having coffee with people, uh, sitting in my office with people, sitting in their homes with these people, mm-hmm. uh, praying with them, counseling with them, answering questions, dialoguing through issues or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that part of the ministry that takes up a substantial part of my week. Uh, then the training of people, you know, thinking about the, the the trajectory of our spiritual leadership, not just individually, but as a whole. How, how are we developing leaders, spiritual leaders in this church as a whole? Right. Um, I oversee that. I, I think about that. I, I talk to you and to Rick Whitmer and to the elders about that and and the things we have in place, you know, address that, you know, leadership development classes, the different things we do for leadership development and training people. And then also included in my job that might be different a little bit than you and Rick is, is running the office um, right. here that we that we work in. Uh, that we come to every day, and running the the church and the office logistics. You know, answering emails, um, evaluating ministries, um, changing ministries, adjusting ministries or practices, um, budgeting process, uh, staff conversations about their ministries. You know, talking to you about youth and worship. You and I have regular dialogue every week about mm-hmm. what we're going to do on Sunday morning and how we're going to do it, you know, um, just so people know um, we don't show up Sunday morning and wonder what we're going to sing right. or how's the liturgy going to look or what are we doing liturgy today? You know, why don't we just, you know, do what comes and, you know, right, right. let the spirit move, you know. Right. So you, you and I have conversations about this every week and we have a plan and we, we run with the plan. We think the Holy Spirit moves in our planning, right? That's, right. What, that's how we approach this. And then, you know, scheduling, calendaring. Yesterday we had a staff meeting, you know, we staff meeting once a week and talk about all the things that we're, we're thinking about as a church. Like, for example, we're coming up on our 20th anniversary and so we have a committee uh, putting together some ideas when we discussed that at length yesterday, some of their ideas and um, just that's an example yeah. of kind of the logistical things that have to be taken care of. Uh, I don't personally do this, but I interact with Kim uh, Ward, who is our uh, office manager, our ministry assistant um, concerning, you know, billing and, you know, who, sure. why was our gas bill so high or whatever. Um and then finally, I would say, and maybe not finally, but most importantly, um, I would say my job is to prepare for teaching and preaching on Sunday morning. Right. That's, that's the, if I had to answer my, that question, what do you do all week? My short answer is prepare to deliver God's word to his people on Sunday morning. Right. That's what I would say. Right. And that sermon preparation, uh, 
currently takes me less time than it used to. When I first started being a preaching pastor, it took me a solid 30 hours, you know, sure. 26 to 30 hours to sure. come up with uh, a sermon that I felt was um, worth listening to. And then now I'm down to where I can probably do that in 16 hours, maybe maybe 20 okay. hours. I can I can put together the same things. And part of that part of the the decrease in time is experience, but another is uh, the tools that are available now that weren't available when I started. Sure. Um, now we have this uh, Bible software called Logos, that is. It is amazing. Yeah. And if you're listening and you haven't heard of Logos and you're interested in Bible study, that's, that is the ticket. Right. Um, and I think we all have it here in the office. Yep. Um, and use it. I use it every single day. Literally every single day I have it open yeah. for one reason or another. Well, it creates a sermon for you, so it makes it... Yeah, I just like, like, okay, who preached on Mark 12 before? <laughs> Copy, paste, and then I just kind of, you know, work my way through it. Yeah, exactly. How, yeah, how'd you know? That's, that's why it only takes you an hour a week to... Uh, yeah, right, you know, exactly. You know, my neighbor friend was right all along. <laughs> I've just come to this discovery. Yeah, no, so, but Lagos is so helpful. Once I, I had a conversation with John MacArthur about Lagos and uh, mentioned to him the process that I go right. through with Lagos and we ended up agreeing that there is no excuse ever again for an unprepared preacher. Right. There isn't right. because it's right there on your fingertips. Right. Click. And you have a word study right in front of you. Right. You know, click, you've got a Bible map, click, you, you've got 15 commentaries on one text. Yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty unreal. The languages, you yeah. know, Greek and Hebrew right there. Yeah. You, you can you can be proficient in the languages uh, without really going and knowing the languages. Mm-hmm. It, it's preferable to have your languages, which I got in seminary, but it's you can function without a, a you know formal study in languages right. with Lagos, right? And it's just amazing, right? And so I use Lagos, and it's been very helpful. Um, like I I can't tell you the last time I opened one of these commentaries that's on the shelf behind me <laughs> yeah you know i've got probably 500 pounds of books in this office right and i rarely open them anymore because it's every one of them i have on logos right and they're cross-referenced with other resources in logos <laughs> it's just spectacular software yeah it just saves so it's much a time. gift to the church yeah. is what it is but yeah. in fact i'm reading my flavel sermons are on logos mm-hmm. that's where i'm reading them you know Rick Whitman was talking yesterday about um, taking any book you have in Lagos and create a reading plan. Right. You just print or, you know, tell it to create you a reading plan to get through this book in one year, six months, whatever. Yeah. And it does it. Yeah. And it sends you an email and says, hey, read this. And you Yeah, you can, you can create your own really devotional. You, you know. can do all that. Yeah. Yeah. And it has, you know, a word processor in the software where I write all my my sermon notes. I cut and paste from commentators or, you know, articles that I get through Logos and and then transport that to or export that to uh, my Word document. I usually do that on Friday or Thursday or Friday mm-hmm. and, and then um, to Word. And I then do the final editing in Word document and, and, and um, save it in a Word mm-hmm. document. Yeah. 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 And all that takes... What I've just talked about for the last ten minutes, fifteen minutes, it takes me about fifty hours. Right, and you and you, John. I know. Um, 
I know that uh, you you obviously have your days off. You have you have your you know scheduled days off, but like. Was that five, six days a week? Is that what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, exactly, yeah. Yeah, I work on Sunday. Yeah, so you're, the 50 hours that you complete is in one day. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you. No, so, you know, but even on your days off, I know that, you know, you know Fridays are, are technically your days off, but even on Fridays, we're, we're communicating and working through. The, I've been trying to work with you on that. Yeah. I've, you know, Friday <laughs> is my day off. Yeah. Leave me alone. But I mean, I know that I know that you're working through, contemplating, thinking through. I know your Saturday night routine is, you know, you're you're thinking through the sermon and, and prepping through that, and then you yeah. Need... So Friday morning, my sermon's pretty much done, mm-hmm. but I, I, I need to get the outline so it makes sense to people. Mm-hmm. I I've got my textual outline that makes sense to me because it reflects the text, but I need to get it into a preaching outline or what they call a homiletical outline, right? And uh so that we can put it in the bulletin and people can follow along. I do that Friday morning and I send that to Kim uh, and she puts it in the bulletin, works with you on the bulletin. Right, um, right. And then like you say, Saturday, starting around two or three, I'm, I'm dead to the world. Yeah. I mean, until like late Saturday night and then I get up real early Sunday morning, like four, four thirty, and, and keep at it and go at it until I drive to church. And, you know, sometimes I get to church, uh, like right before it starts, and it's <laughs> yeah. not because I slept in; it's because I just didn't feel right about my sermon. I'm still thrashing around with that sermon and trying to get right. details worked right. out. So, right, um, yeah. There's been a couple times where uh, you still haven't shown up for church, and, and you know, you're get, starting. I'm getting a little nervous. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I. Uh, you know, it gave me a deeper appreciation for what for what you guys do. Um, you know, especially you on a on a weekly basis. Uh, when I when I prepared a sermon um, a few months ago, just just the the anxiety, the anxiety. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. No. Just, well, that's what Paul said. You know, Paul Paul says he he kind of was going through his his this this he was having this very podcast. Yeah. You know, and and he said he's after he concluded everything, and he goes, and then not to mention the burden of all uh-huh. the churches, yeah. right? right. <laughs> but he mentioned it, yeah. <laughs> so it was like it, there's a lot going on there, yeah. that people don't realize, yeah. It's so. it, it gave yeah, it gave me a new a new appreciation that I haven't understood before, of just you know the the burden, the weight, the you know just you know as I was kind of working through that sermon, just that text is is all you think about. It is. You wake up, and that's mm-hmm. what you think about when you're going to sleep. It's like it's yeah. just there. You're praying you're, over it. Yeah. You're thinking through it. You're asking the Lord's help. Yeah. You know, you're depending on the Holy Spirit, like Spurgeon. You know, he had 13 steps to get up to the his podium, his pulpit that yeah. was up. You know, in a little cubicle, and he said that he used to say every single Sunday on every single step. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Yeah. I believe in, the, and this was Charles Spurgeon. Yeah. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in, and that's that's my practice. I only have to say it three times because there's yeah, only yeah. three steps, but I typically say that every single Sunday. Yeah. Uh, you know, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, I believe that you're going to do something here. Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, I believe you're going to do something here yeah. today. You know, have yeah. mercy on your people. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. My prayer was, Lord, please take me now. <laughs> Lord, please take me now. It's weird. I pray the same thing. Lord, please take Jeremy now. <laughs> Every Sunday. <laughs> Three times. <laughs> uh, 
No, so... <laughs> um, <laughs> the prayer of Elijah, Lord, take me now. <laughs> That's good. I got to remember that, Gary. Yeah, yeah. No, so so ministry... Um, ministry is is different. It's not it's not it's not your regular nine to five. You know, we show up. You know, at different times. You you're usually here earlier in the morning, and then um, you have other things that you're 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 taking care of throughout the day and throughout the week. Um, but it's not a normal. You know, you show up to work at nine and you're done by five, and and really you just walk away from mm-hmm. from your work. Why why isn't ministry that way? Why wouldn't we consider because it a we're nine ministering to, five? to people. Okay. And people's needs uh, aren't necessarily between nine and five. Uh, when your mom went to the hospital, you know, a few years back, you mentioned that earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it wasn't between nine and five. I didn't say, sorry, Tony. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, seven o'clock. I ended at five. <laughs> yeah. So that kind of thing, you know, and, and different levels of intensity or, in, or importance you know, sure. are there. And sometimes, you know, I'll get an email or a text from somebody in the church um, that isn't near that level of emergency or, sure. or intensity. And, and so I can, I could put it off and, and most of the time I don't, but so I could in certain, certain times. Uh, but people's uh, lives aren't running on a nine to five schedule. You know, they have concerns that come up at midnight. Yeah. Um, or, you know, diagnosis that that they get an email at four in the morning, you know, or or need prayer for a delinquent son, you know, at sure. eleven or twelve at night, and so you you, do, you that's that's part of ministry. You're, right. you're we don't have a nine to five schedule because we're ministering to people, and that's how it goes, and and you know. It's, some people have abused this, um, but uh, ministry life is uh, 24 hours a day. Uh, I, I heard I heard one guy ask a question of Charles Spurgeon um, about how long it took him to prepare that sermon, and his answer was a lifetime. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, how long does it take you? A lifetime. That's how long it takes me to prepare a sermon. The Lord has been working in my heart, sanctifying me, preparing my mind, uh, you know, f- fine-tuning my doctrine for a lifetime. Mm-hmm. And what you hear me say on Sunday morning, sure, it, I, I prepared over the last week for that sermon, but things I learned in my 20s are coming out of my sermons in my 60s. Mm-hmm. And so Spurgeon was right. It, it takes a lifetime yeah. to prepare a sermon. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's, I think that's important. And yeah. it's a perspective people don't think about most of the time. Sure, sure. You know? Yeah. Well, uh, you, you know, sometimes you wish, you know, nine to five, man, that, wouldn't that be nice? Yeah. You know? Right. Uh, I think I remember a few years back when you were, kind of juggling the idea of getting out of ministry full-time and, sure. and going into high school. And one of the things you said to me was, I, I would really like a nine-to-five job. Yeah. I think that, I think I remember you saying that yeah. to me, and I'm like, that does sound good sometimes. Yeah. You know? 
but yeah. No, I, yeah, and, and it's it's been interesting, you know, watching watching you, um, you know, because because growing up in the church, you know, I I had these similar thoughts of you know really what what does John do in in the ministry and I see him doing nothing. I a lot. really do a lot. <laughs> But, you know, getting now being a part of the ministry and being in the ministry and, and seeing you and, and seeing the elders, too. I mean, these guys, these guys do have full-time jobs. They do. And then, and then they're also carrying the weight and the burden of the people of Sun Valley Church. So you're, you're, not just, you're not just carrying your own burdens and your own weights. No, we're not. We're, and we, as uh, vocational ministers, are not ministering alone. Right. We have a church full of ministers. Right. Yeah. Right. Um. But but just just um, you know the nine to five thing is is I'm not just carrying my own weight in my job or in my own home like I you're you're actually carrying the weight of the church you know along with the elders and and mm-hmm. and the other pastors but um, there's there's also the added burden of just what people are going through and you you're ministering to them yeah 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 so. Yeah, that's been that's been something really interesting to see, and especially, um, you know, watching it through COVID, mm-hmm. watching watching you guys as elders through COVID. Um, you know, I got a first row seat to that uh, that a lot of people in the church didn't get to see, and just just watching how you guys ministered during that time, there there was there was a lot going on uh, for you guys and and decisions that were made and and difficult decisions that had to be made. Um, and you guys ministered uh, a lot during that time, and it wasn't just a nine to five. It was, it was all consuming, um, and that seems to be a regular thing within the church. So, yeah, well, um, which is why it's kind of hard to talk about what do you do as a pastor? Yeah, because it includes all the things that that you've been saying and I've been saying. It's not. It's not. It's not a simple job description that you can lay out and complete um, between the hours of nine and five. Mm-hmm. If you work from nine to five as a pastor, you're not pastoring. Yeah, I mean, if that's all your work, if it's all you do is work from nine to five, you're not pastoring. Yeah, pastoring has the idea of shepherding a flock. It's a that's the word that that poiment. It's that you're a, a shepherd. You're you're taking care of sheep and sheep don't stop existing at five. Um, so it's a, it's a an ongoing thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So John, um, you know, if you could, if you could go back to your younger days uh, before you got into the ministry, if you could go back then and have a conversation with yourself, what would you, what would you prepare your younger self for or warn yourself of? Uh, when it came to the ministry. Okay, well, I have two um, connecting points here. One is Star Trek, when Spock meets himself. You know, the older Spock meets himself and just gives him a boatload of wisdom. Um, And basically he says, you're going to do all right, young Spock. Just keep keep doing it. And, And then... Um, Marty McFly, you know, and Back to the Future. <laughs> he was so concerned about, you know, upending the space-time continuum that he was, you know, darting in and out of cars to avoid seeing his younger self or his other self. Right. So, <clears throat> so I've decided not to think about that. 
No, I, you know, I, I, I do think there are some things that, that I would say to my younger self if, if my, you know, if I could have that Spock moment, uh, and it would have to do with, um, something that has impacted me, uh, in both positive and negative ways that I read from A.W. Tozer probably about 20 years ago. And it just kind of, the, the statement just kind of bored in on me and uh, really, you know, brought me up. And it's, the statement is, God never uses anyone greatly until he wounds him deeply. Hmm. And I'm like, okay, there's a few things to think about there. Do I want to be used greatly? Because it's going to require a deep wounding. Mm-hmm. And so I would, I would... I would say that to myself. I would I would read that quote to myself when I was in my twenties, and and not just to not just to you know, I suppose count the cost, you know that Jesus in his parable when you build the tower you better count the cost. Right. I think that that was a conversation that was especially pertinent to ministry. Not just that, but to prepare for that deep wounding that's inevitable yeah you know you you can't come you, you cannot find a effective you know god glorifying uh people encouraging minister that hasn't been wounded deeply mm-hmm. and these guys who haven't been in the ministry long younger younger ministers uh can't always relate to this but i can say this if god is going to use them uh, in any substantial way there is going to come a significant wounding Hmm. whether it's you personally or in your family in your marriage something Mm -hmm. something and my i guess my first at least first experience with a wound that was deeper than I was comfortable with was when, in 1998, I was a youth pastor at Westside just transitioning from youth ministry to adult ministry. It was when I I woke up with tinnitus. Yeah. It was weird. Um, I was in um, the later stages of my seminary, and I was a full-time youth pastor at Westside Baptist Church, our mother church, and I was at seminary, actually, um, I was on, in a. I was taking a intensive course, a week long course over in Seattle, and I went to bed, and I woke up, and my. It's like it woke me up like at two in the morning. It, my ears were, literally, I I thought there was a train coming through the room, hmm. and it's like it freaked me out, and it it, it it took two years, for me to get to where I could manage my tinnitus Hmm. where it wasn't you know destroying me at first man it was just (laughs) it was it was not fun right so but that's the first wounding and 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 i say wounding because it wasn't just tinnitus it it really matured me spiritually it it um i i would i'm ashamed to say it but before that tinnitus hit me I was pretty impatient with um, uh, people that had um, just issues that wouldn't go away. Yeah, you know, 
sicknesses or weaknesses or relational struggles or what have you. They just had a, an ongoing struggle that's like, come on already. That experience changed that. It it, it gave me a, a fresh perspective on suffering sure. that I had not any clue of sure. before. You know, I was a healthy, I don't know how old I was, back in 98. 42. 68. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember. Uh, but I was young. I was in my 30s, I think. I was in my 30s, um, mid-30s. I really hadn't had to face much. My kids were healthy. Um, I mean, I had your typical things, you know. Sure. Um, but nothing to that intensity or degree. And then it went on from there. You know, and, and it hasn't ended. It's just been on. It's been kind of like what I talked about, uh, the crook and the lot, a couple yeah. weeks ago. Yeah. My my experiences with the crook have been the wave-type crooks. They just come one after another, and it seems like um, they're pretty habitual mm-hmm. in my life. Mm-hmm. And and it's something that, that I'm, I'm able to say I'm thankful for. I see God's hand in it, and it's important. Um, to experience these things, to to be the type of man and minister that God wants me to be. So, yeah, yeah. This past year, for example, well, past two years, I've had five surgeries. Um, you know, a couple of them I didn't know what the result would be. Sure. Like that neck surgery I had, yeah. they, they yeah. took out whatever that thing is there, um, thyroid, I think. Yeah. Um, and caused a, a scar that. When I first gave, came out of surgery, Sherry wouldn't look at me for like three weeks. She made me yell from the other room, unclean, unclean, before I came out <laughs> into the public. <laughs> she ran in the other room. Oh, she, we couldn't eat together. It was, just, it was not, not a good time in my life. But Well, that's because you were trying to eat through your I know. Your I, I thought you could just spoon in, you know, the Cheerios into that gap, gaping hole in my neck, but um, that didn't work. So, no, I... So, you know, there's those kind of things that, that you go through. And right. I think, uh, you know, you asked me, what would I tell my younger self? I would say, you know, tighten up the loins, baby. Yeah. It's coming. Yeah. And be, be ready. Be yeah. prepared. And, and if you don't want to go down this path if you don't think that God has really called you into a life of ministry, then there's somewhere else you can you can make a living for your family right over there and it's legitimate yeah i had a painting business before i went into ministry yeah i went through bible college i got out of bible college um not feeling any interest in ministry i i had i got my bachelor's degree in in bible and biblical studies and i didn't feel it didn't like eh. so i just the way i worked my way through bible college was i was a uh, I painted for a guy that had a, a painting business mm-hmm. down in Portland. I that's how I did it. So I just started my own painting company here in Yakima. Sherry and I got married in '82, and I did that for four or five years. And then, you know, one of my professors from Multnomah called and said, "Hey, what are you doing? You got this degree, and you're just you're painting houses." And he says, "I've got a job for you over in Seattle. I want you to think about taking it." So Sherry and I talked about it, and I thought. Well, maybe God set this guy up to call me. Yeah. I haven't looked back since. Yeah. So it's kind of an abnormal birth into ministry for me. Right. I never had my Samuel 
you know, calling in the night thing. Right. I right. never had that yeah. that, that pleasure. Uh, I was just kind of like dragged into ministry. Kind of like the starting of Sun Valley Church. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I had no interest in starting Sun Valley Church. Yeah. It's kind of weird to say, but. Now here we are 20 years down the road. Here we are, yeah. Yeah. But God did his thing and and it worked. And God, that's kind of how my whole ministry experience has been. Yeah. Yeah, I'm slow on the uptake, I guess. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, there's I mean, obviously over these last 20 years there's been there's been a lot of a lot of joys obviously in in your ministry here. A lot. And then there's also been, you know, some hard times. Uh but the Lord's been gracious and you know, has has brought brought you through it and and Sun Valley Church through it. Yeah. And um so many more blessings than Sure. Hardships, yeah. you know the like. I was thinking about this. I would do it all over again in a heartbeat hmm. because of the joy hmm. and fulfillment, satisfaction, um, blessing that has come through all of it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm excited because, as you mentioned earlier, uh, in March, March 16th, we're going to be celebrating our 20th. Uh, year anniversary as a church yeah and uh, we got some events that we got planned for that for that we do week mm-hmm. uh, we have some ladies who are who are in charge of that and putting some stuff together which i'm excited for uh but um the weeks leading up to it we're going to be podcasting about the the 20 years here at sun valley church um and just reflecting on on god's goodness to to us as a church and yeah and there's, there's been so much it's yeah. uh, it's really uh, astounding to think about all the ways that God has blessed us yeah. as a church. Yeah. So many times it could have gone the wrong direction. Right. There could have been an implosion for different reasons. Um, and I suppose we'll talk about those in the next few weeks when we do the podcasting. But but through it all, God's faithfulness has just been on display. Yeah. Um, you look around at the lives that have been impacted. You look around at the people who've who've been here throughout and, and those have been added along the way. And it's just, it's just uh, phenomenal hmm. the way God is, you know, <laughs> yeah. he's, he's accomplished his purposes yeah. and continues to do so. Yeah. 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 It's, it's fun when we, when we kind of do these moments in, in a, an agape meal or something yeah. like this, where you just ask, you know, how many people were, you know, part of the church when it first got started mm-hmm. and, you know, there's a couple hands that go up. Yeah. And then the rest are just, you know, the blessings that God has brought in throughout, through, you know, through that journey. Yeah, we've done that a few times, yeah. those kind of questions. And the longer we go on, the fewer and fewer hands go up <laughs> at the beginning. And, and, like, you know, I would say a, a large percentage of our people have been here less than 10 years. Yeah. I mean, 80%, man. Yeah. That's amazing. Right to me yeah yeah so yeah well john i think this is good this is helpful for for us to you know explain kind of what we do uh here in the ministry uh, we actually we actually do work yeah sometimes but it's so fun it's hard to call work yeah you know? <laughs> exactly <It's> like, exactly <laughs> i just get up and i'm so excited to come Stoked. work with you john yeah you know, I mean, <laughs> comes to mind yeah, no, it it is. It is a blessing. It is I mean, a, yeah. 
God, God is faithful to his ministers and, and rewards them with joy and, yeah. and things like that, 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 uh, aren't common. Right. Yeah. So, well, church, uh, I'm excited to, to start looking at, at our past 20 years over in the podcast and, and we have some testimonies that are going to be going out, um, reflecting on those things and, um, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be a good, joyful couple months leading up to that, that mm-hmm. time. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, we we're excited to, to do that with you. So, but until then, we love you. Look forward to being with you on Sunday and next week on the Voice Valley. Have a great day.